Hi, I'm Liz. And I'm Rhea. Welcome to Karma's My Bitch, a podcast about love, sex, connection, abundance, joy, purpose, peace, and how life isn't simply the stories we tell ourselves. <laughs> I always love these um, these first interviews because I feel like they're sort of first date experiences. Like, tell us about yourself. What do you do? <laughs> and um, but we have the pleasure of being with James McRae, who is the founder of Words or Vibrations Instagram account and the author of The Shit Your Ego Says. Did I get that right? And has an upcoming book with poetry and artwork, which we can't wait to get our hands on, um, should be out sometime in October, I believe. And um, we just want to know so much about you right now. I have questions, but Rhea, I think you have the first question. Well, I mean, I loved your book. I read the first one and I thought it was really, really interesting. I liked how you wrote it because it was Mm -hmm. all, it was explaining lessons in, you know, in different ways. And, you know, you're talking a lot about kind of the ego and how, a lot of that was with expectations and consciousness. And I think for me, one of the, the main things that I found really interesting was kind of how did you decide to even write that book in the first place? How did it all kind of come about? Hmm. Is that a very big question, isn't it? No, it's it's uh, it's not a big question. First of all, thanks for having me. It's a pleasure to be here with you both on our first date. <laughs> and, and yeah, so Shit Your Ego Says, that was my first book. And, you know, it's a whole journey really to writing your f- first book, you know, because I, I always kind of knew in the back of my head that I would write books or I wanted to, but I never had any idea what they would be about, you know, because I just didn't have a lot of training in that area or like, I'm not like the kind of person that has like, oh, I'm an expert. I'm an expert in dreaming and Mm. I'm going to write books about dreaming because that's my work. Mm. Right. Like I'm not a psychologist. So I, it's not like I study the ego per se. And, and therefore it's, it's, it's like a reason, like the book is like a synopsis of my research. I'm first and foremost, an artist and a writer and a poet. So my whole life I've always whether it's um, drawing and painting or writing and, um, you know, writing poetry, writing little essays. I've I've always just been uh, kind of a multifaceted creative. And um, at a certain point in my kind of personal evolution, I kind of crossed paths with spirituality And, you know, I have a background in Christianity, having grown up, you know, in the Midwest America, (laughs) in in the in the in the Christian tradition. Um, But after kind of leaving more or less that kind of religious framework, I was essentially kind of spiritually homeless. And, you know, art really became my spiritual path and and it still Mm. it still is so i found a lot of guidance and kind of wisdom in art in writing in music and um you know i think creativity is an expression of Mm. spirituality Mm. you know no matter what the creativity is about i think creativity is in itself an an expression of spirituality so I was writing and I had a, I had a blog that I was kind of focused on and um, the really the catalyst for the book happened when I was in, I was living in Minneapolis where um, I'm from the state of Minnesota and I kind of took a leap of faith to move to New York city. And had a similar um, experience, have, by the way. <laughs> cool. Yeah. 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 I get Not it. always easy because I didn't really have a plan. I, I didn't really have a support system or a network or a job in New York. I kind of I quit my job, gave up my apartment, sold all my stuff, and just took a leap of faith to move to New to New York City. Um, you know, w- with kind of a, a a trust or with a faith that the universe would support me in my in my you know pursuit of whatever I would find there. You know, I don't know why I moved there other than I'd always admired writers and artists who had seemed to spend time in New York and had, 
you know, it's kind of a, a historically a creative hub in that way. And I get to New York and uh, it's not going super well. I'm having a hard time finding a job. I'm, ha mm -hmm. I'm having a hard time finding an apartment. I'm just kind of like trying to just navigate, you know, what I'm doing there. And right when I had finally signed a lease on my first apartment, and this is 2012, uh, Hurricane Sandy came along and it was, it hit New York City. It was the like the first hurricane and the worst storm to ever hit New York City. And my apartment was destroyed and suddenly I was homeless. So not only was I like running out of money and like didn't have a job, now I was homeless. So I ended up, you know, just randomly, my friend was like, hey, I have this friend that has this empty kind of like beach cottage in on this little island called Culebra in the Caribbean. He's like, I, let's, 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 let's move there because we don't really have a place to live right now. Mm -hmm. And I didn't have a job or anything. I didn't have any money to keep living in New York city. So I was like, let's just do it. Like, why not? Like this was the door that was presented. So I'm just going to take it. And it was really living in Culebra briefly that I, I started having these breakthroughs because I was, it was kind of like an existential crisis. So it was like, why did I move to New York? I'm a loser. You know, I, this isn't going to work out for me. And it was complete uncertainty and I was, it was complete unknown. And I, my friend that I was with at the time, he was just like, he, he encouraged me to lean into that uncertainty. Mm instead of kind of trying to resist it and kind of figure out a plan, lean into the uncertainty. And, and that's what I did. And I, and I spent a lot of time kind of alone on the beach, looking at the ocean. And that's when I kind of started to recognize in my own head that all my fears and all my anxieties and all these worries that were kind of creeping up, they were just my own ego speaking to me. And that voice wasn't necessarily true or right or, you know, I realize that just because I think something doesn't mean it's true. Right. And, um, and I am not my thoughts. Yeah. So I started to kind of see the difference between the ego mind and more the higher self or the intuition. And I, and I kind of started to kind of pay attention to the different, those different feelings and gradually learn to shift my awareness to away from the ego and towards the higher self. And th that's where the, the idea for shit your ego says came from. And it's, it's just ironic because, you know, the hurricane and becoming homeless and moving to this island, it seemed like failure in the moment. It seemed like all of that was working mm -hmm. against me. But in hindsight, it was all those things, these kind of acts of random misfortune mm -hmm. that ended up being the catalyst for this book being written and being birthed into the world and beginning my career as an author. So it seemed like a bad thing at the time, but it was actually the universe opening up a door for me. It's so interesting because I, in, in a previous life, I, I was a bit of, I worked in law and one of the things there's always is in a contract is something called a novus actus intervenes, which is effectively the hand of God. And things like that are hurricanes, you know, things that you can't have expected, but ch totally change your path. And mm -hmm. it feels sometimes that, you know, when I hear these stories, that's what I think of a bit, like that we get you to where you need to go, even if you don't, it looks like everything's crumbling down around you. Something has to crumble in order for you to be able to create something new. And so I find that really nice. And it's not kind of from that positive slant way of, you know, turning a negative into positive. It's really that if this didn't happen, this really wouldn't have been created. And, you know, this is an expression of my truth. And I maybe wouldn't have even discovered that truth if it wasn't for that. So I, I get that. Yeah, it's kind of like the dark night of the soul. Like there are certain passageways or portals that are opened through, and, 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 and you kind of have to go through you know, darkness or fear or overcome something to get to the other side. Yeah. So it's kind of, that's just, that's just the, it's the hero's journey. And, um, 
and it happens to all of us. Yeah. And I think kind of what's happening in the world now with yeah. the craziness <laughs> that's going on in the world is a, is a collective dark night of the soul. It's kind of a collective <laughs> initiation or a, like we're going through a collective portal. And right now it's very, very dark. Yeah. <laughs> and, yes. um, and um, you know, having gone through multiple experiences like that myself and knowing other people that have gone through experiences like that, it's 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 by going through these dark periods of fear and uncertainty that actually lead us to some place that's expanded and, and and better. So my my hope is having experienced that in my own life that we're going through that collectively right mm-hmm. now. And the people that have never had that experience in their own lives are having a really hard time because yeah, they, right. they don't know <laughs> where the tunnel goes, right? <laughs> Um, so it's kind, or of, it's kind it of a ends. mass yeah. where it ends. Yeah. So it's kind of, it's kind of a mass initiation for, for the world is, is kind of how I see it. Yeah. It's only going to get darker too. So <laughs> let's see. Yeah. And so is that when you started to create some of the art now that you share with the world? Was that post Culebra or? You know, the art has been an evolution. Um, I've always kind of been a sketcher. I've, like mm-hmm. I always gets kind of drawn and sketched. And um, so w- with the book, I did include a few like little illustrations. They're almost like hand-drawn memes where there's yeah. like little hand-drawn cartoons with like phrases on them. So that's when I begin to experiment with kind of... Um, you know, illustrating my writing as opposed to just writing something, but having mm-hmm. more of like a a visual component. Yeah. And there's a few examples of those in, in my first book. And, and then after that, you know, we, we live in the age of social media now, right? Mm-hmm. So when it comes to promoting your work or sharing your work, that's the visual component is pretty important. Yeah. And, uh, so I've always been focused on that. And, you know, over time, what I've tried to do is use social media, not as a place to sh- like necessarily share my writing or share my art, okay. but as, as, as um, more thinking in terms of how can I make art and writing that's native to the social media format right and there's a difference there it's like i you could you could be writing or painting and you're just like sharing examples of your work on social media but it's a slight difference if you're creating art with the social platform in mind it's kind of like it's a little bit uh, different yes. mm. so so i've kind of been um you know i, I i've kind of leaned into this idea cuz i used to work, wake up you know every morning and work on whatever book i was writing at the time and, and there was a switch this year where I was like, well, what if I woke up and instead of working on like a book that's going to take years to come out mm-hmm. and like no one's going to see it, what if I got up and worked on stuff I could share right away, mm-hmm. like interactive social content? And that's where kind of the memes started coming from. Mm-hmm. And I had kind of made a meme here or there, you know, not really thinking about it I would just occasionally make one for fun Hmm. but then I started really to investigate the idea of the meme as a platform of expression and as an art form unto itself Mm. and that's just been in the past like six months and it's been really (laughs) it's been really fun and exciting to see what that format can do yeah and I think now that um when I look at some of the most, the art, the art that I'm most excited by today, it's mm-hmm. a lot of it is kind of internet memes. Yeah. <laughs> and, I, um, and, 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 and I think that we often don't recognize the art form that is happening in the moment. Like with new, new art forms often seem a little bit like frivolous at first or like silly mm-hmm. or like not serious, but then eventually they're recognized as being like a new form of art. So that's kind of what I see with memes is that it's still kind of, they're kind of fun and people share them, but really we're, we're, we're learning a new language and we're learning a new artistic format. Mm -hmm. And we're just kind of at the beginning of a new kind of like 
internet art form. Hmm. Well, no, it makes sense. Mm -hmm. You know, I think sometimes, you know, before we recorded, we were explaining to you what our podcast is about and talking about karma and power and all that kind of stuff. But the nuances that come with such a big topic and such a big body of work often can be quite wordy. You know, it's taken 125 episodes of a podcast to fully explain that in every way that we can. But sometimes, you know, you know, you'll put out a meme or I'll see something on your Instagram and I'll think, wow, that just explains it in four words and an image. And it's <laughs> exactly. and it feels it taps yeah. into another part of you that, you know, like you were saying, Liz, when, you know, Liz um, is also a, not as a fiction author. And, you know, she was explaining how when someone reads something in fiction, it's a different part of your brain that engages with it. I mean, you you know much better than I do. I mean, I'm literally no, thing, you got but, it. <laughs> so it, it kind of resonates differently. And I've definitely noticed that in some of my writing, when I write something that isn't so um, factual in terms of just like, here are some numbers, here are some stats, it definitely resonates with the reader in a very different way. And I have to say like looking, you know, I found your page because I remember thinking to myself, these are, these are kind of what I'm trying to say, but it's being said much more simply and with joy because obviously it has a comedic aspect to it and I think that's the bit that's missing because for me anyway spirit spirituality it's joy it's love it's light it's not you know the yes we have the dark night of the souls but that's actually our 3d experience that's all the stuff that you know that we've separated from ourselves it's all the trauma that we've been ignoring been stuffing down that's why it's all coming up we're facing it in our collective dark night of the soul now or our more individual one it's basically all the stuff that we've been carrying but actually spirit spirituality it's all joy so having kind of those memes having that you know that light in in what in your work makes you know that for me is true spirituality if that makes sense yeah yeah it does make sense and thanks for saying mm -hmm. that um yeah you know a, a, they say a, you know a picture says a thousand words right yeah. so it's really the visual <laughs> component that makes it so communicative mm -hmm. and i have a friend that said that she believes that memes are a step towards telepathy. Interesting. Huh. That's interesting. Like, it, it, it's, it's a big leap forward in communication where you can mm. like essentially like, because I've read a lot of books. I've read, I've studied Buddhism. I've studied, you know, Hinduism and I've read a lot of literature. And so I, I've already absorbed a lot of knowledge mm. in, in a traditional way. But if I find the right image that expresses something and I can think of, okay, what can I, what can I, from all of my research, what can I funnel into this image mm -hmm. that communicates something mm -hmm. that took me maybe years to learn or research yeah. and I can, and I can funnel it into a little square JPEG yeah. that tells a story because the picture is adding mm -hmm. so much to the words mm -hmm. and then I can post it and then people see it. And then what happens is their mind unpacks the meaning. So they see the picture, they see the words and instantaneously their mind is unpacking the meaning from that image. Mm. So I'm communicating a whole lot to them through this little image that is, I mean, if that's not a form of telepathy, I don't know what is mm. right. Mm. Um, so as we, as, as we, evolve our language and we is evolve as as people um you know i think that um it it is it 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 literally is an evolution of language to use memes and um and yeah can you know the, the the internet is i think like i'm just kind of an internet nerd myself and i have been for a long time so like there is a certain language of the internet that is snarky and irreverent and funny and not serious. And memes live in that, in that, you know, vocabulary, yeah. you know, mm. so applying spirituality to the, to that, to the inner, to the, the, the language of the internet, which is irreverent and funny. And like, mm. doesn't it, the, the, the internet language, like doesn't take itself too seriously. Mm. It's yeah. more just kind of making fun of stuff. So when you apply spirituality with that kind of internet lingo, mm -hmm. it, it allows spirituality to be light and, and to be funny because mm -hmm. that's just how, mm -hmm. that's what works on the internet. That's yeah. kind of the language that has been developed yeah. on there for, yeah. for decades now. 
Liz, I have a question. Um, curious. <laughs> I'm just curious about this. Um, so when, uh, like, say, for example, when you're creating, let's say, a meme or something, and it's coming from a place of, uh, one would imagine, higher consciousness, and it's got a different type of vibration, does that ha- hold like, some kind of like healing coding or healing vibration when someone else looks at it does it have that energy attached to it absolutely without a doubt it does it really does so they I'm sure yeah Yeah, and I'm I'm sure that's what drives people to some of these pages and these images for sure because they're getting something from it and um and it's of course it's subconscious but that's enough just to kind of get sometimes it's I mean but the healing isn't going to be you know um maybe years worth of healing, right? But you're getting like little doses, little hits. And that's- Microdosing healing. You're my exact- (laughs) (laughs) Microdosing memes. (laughs) And and so you get enough of that, you're going to get enough that's going to get you either through your day, through your hour, whatever the stress or anxiety that you're experiencing at the time, yeah? Mm. Um, We just need it a little, we need it- um, we need bigger doses, I think, if we're really going to see the sort of impact we're getting over the next, in the coming years. But it's, it's, it's exactly what the world needs right now, more and more, I think. And um, can I ask, over, over these years that you have been experiencing this through you know, Instagram and, and, um, and Twitter, um, what have you seen shift on these platforms as far as these memes go and where you feel you fit in, like, and how that's evolving? Is that too layered a question or? No, I okay. think meme, memes are always evolving. I mean, meme, meme, yeah. the, the, the concept of memes is, 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 is fascinating. I mean, yeah. um, a lot of people don't know where that word came from. Mm. Um, and the word meme is kind of a, very, a variation on the word gene. So in, 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 a biolo- in, a, in a biological system, you know, a gene is something that can mutate and spread. And then the, 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 the genes that are, you know, most effective within that system are the ones that replicate and mm-hmm. become kind of, you know, spread. So um, the social scientist Richard Dawkins, um, I believe this was in the 70s or 80s. I'm not exactly sure when he coined the term, but he coined the term meme as the um, analog to the gene in biology. So what a gene is to biology, a meme is to ideas. So a a meme is any idea that has essentially the potential, the viral potential to spread and replicate within a system. Mm. So that could be anything like, um, if you think back to like a catchphrase from like the 1960s, like make love, not war. Someone said that. And then before you know it, everyone's saying it. And then people are making signs that say Mm. it. And it's on a t-shirt. <laughs> on a t-shirt. That's it's a, a bit like that's the a... British keep calm and carry on. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. That That's a great meme because people adapted it, you know, mm-hmm. do this, carry on, do this yeah. and carry on. And yeah. it became a viral <laughs> sensation. That yeah. That is an early ex- example of a meme. Mm. I think Christianity is the biggest meme ever. Yeah. Just <laughs> the idea. Because I mean, Christianity has been adapted and put into all these different places and translated in all these ways and been interpreted in all these mm. ways. And it just has gone viral throughout the world. Mm. So like <laughs> in, in, in the most general sense of the word, Christianity is like the biggest meme. Yeah. Um, so funny. So then the internet is just where memes, like the internet promotes, um, you know, replication and spreading and 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 going viral so just the idea of a meme and the idea of the internet are just they just go hand in hand mm-hmm. so there's always been memes online they, they began as really weird like little like essentially little gifts and like images <laughs> like there was like a little dancing baby at one point that became like this big internet thing and they were essentially started off as just kind of weird things that made people laugh out of like confusion and absurdity. They're like, mm-hmm. what is this? This is, ridic- <laughs> this is, yeah, this cat, this is ridiculous. I need to share it. Yeah. And it's just because, because it's ridiculous. And like, that's kind of like what the memes are based in is this idea of like absurdity and being mm-hmm. ridiculous. Mm-hmm. And then um, I noticed a big switch with memes around the f- one example of like, 
when things started to change is, I don't know if you remember, like in the, um, I think it was the, the video music awards, the MTV music video awards, when I think Taylor Swift won the, um, music video of the year over Beyonce. Oh, Kanye. Kanye stormed the, <laughs> the stage. Kanye moment. <laughs> the Kanye moment. Love, I love Kanye and Taylor. So, you know, this moment is, this moment is just really huge in pop culture and in memes. Kanye goes on the stage, takes the microphone from Taylor and he's like, I'm going to let you finish. But Beyonce made one of the best music videos of all time. It was a really funny, you know, moment. And the next morning on the internet, I saw all of these different interpretations where like, mm. it was like Kanye, like, I don't know, in like different scenarios, like taking mm. things <laughs> and like saying, <laughs> and saying, I'm gonna let you finish. But it was like an all interpreted in like dozens of ways. And I'm like, wow, like, this is funny. Like all these people went online and like created art based on this moment. And then it just spread. Mm. And that's when memes kind of started to, to change. And um, and the same thing happens now. There's, there's the, all these images that originate in weird places on the internet that no one quite knows. Like there's a lot of the, a lot of the, like the illustrated memes that you'll see. Um, they, they, no one knows where these <laughs> templates come from. Like they'll show up on Reddit or like 4chan or Twitter, yeah. these like weird, obscure corners of the internet. Hmm. And then people will take those and they'll, they'll adapt them and add hmm. text. And then it becomes a viral sensation. Hmm. And literally no one really knows where the original one came from. So oh, it's just, it, it's, 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 a, it, it is a really interesting world, the world mm -hmm. of internet memes. And um, I think this year, um, along with myself, I've seen a lot of other accounts kind of take take on the idea of a meme and start start applying philosophy or yes. spirituality <laughs> to it. Mm. And um, it's I think they're being called like text memes now or something where you're kind of like you're kind mm. of like sharing a point of view or a, mm. a, a, like an individual philosophy or a point of view. Mm through a meme mm. so it's that's why i kind of think it's like the beginning of you know the the poetry memes or philosophy memes where people are you know individual thinkers are using the format to express their individual points of view mm. and i think it's great i mean i i, I love um <clears throat> i love seeing it happen and you know typically the weirder the better mm. you know my, my memes are I try to make them a little bit, a little bit weird, but there are a lot of artists out there that are a lot weirder than me when it comes to like the absurdity of their memes. Yeah. And, and I love it. I think it's, I think it's hilarious. And, you know, the, 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 the weirder, the better in the world of memes tends to be the case. I just find it, it's so similar, but you know, as you are talking, you're talking about all of this. I just find it so similar to how we would describe kind of 5d and oneness and con all that kind of stuff as well. Cause it's, you know, we talk about oneness and being divine and spirituality from an idea of that I see the divine in me and I respect the divine in you. And we all have our own experiences and they're just as valid as one another's. So something like a small meme where you have, let's say, a message on there, everyone will be seeing it and interpreting it differently based on their perspective, their lives, their experiences, maybe the issues that they're going through right now, the clarity that they need, their truth. And it allows them to use it in the way that suits them best. And it's not so uniform. Whereas often with long form, and I definitely fall into the trap of this when I'm writing, mm -hmm. I almost over-explain so you totally understand my point of view. <laughs> and sometimes my point of view isn't the point of view that you really need to see. It's your point of view that you need to see. Mm -hmm. And all I'm here to do is open the door so that you can see it. And so I find sometimes like these, you know, when you're talking about it, I just, it feels like such an effective way for people to see their truth. And also the one thing for me anyway, that I found quite unique about your voice is that it's very hopeful and it's actually very positive. Like I remember speaking to a friend not that long ago and saying, you know, you can learn from good things. It doesn't have to be shitty all the time. You know what I mean? It's not always like the painful <laughs> lessons that teach us everything. Like you can, you, you often can learn even more effectively if something nice happens. 
but you know we've you know a lot of spirituality and i think that's based obviously in a lot of religion and a lot of the kind of the world we've been constructed in is that we can only really learn when things are shitty and things will continue to be shitty forever but you know i remember there's this meme of you that you had where there was this little girl holding the flowers behind her back and it's like the universe about yeah. to give me all the amazing you know it's just shifting the narrative to you know life is good life can be good things are actually not a trial we're not you know stuck in the jungle trying to survive on a on a leaf for six years you know we can actually ha have the, the the good yummy stuff as well and i think there's not that voice is missing a lot from spirituality at the moment it's all you know sorry to say but it's a lot of conspiracy theories it's a lot of me versus you it's a lot of i'm right you're wrong we're going to battle separation by remaining separate somehow you know whereas actually i find that yeah. your voice is very much about unity and and yeah. joy and as i yeah. know, as i said earlier yeah, I agree, you know, and yeah, there's a lot of, um, yeah, you know, kind of wallowing in the weight of trauma that, and, you know, frankly, um, I will, I will, I will acknowledge that, um, you know, as a white male, I have a certain amount of privilege that allows me to frame things in that way. I will say that, um, you know, the trauma, we all have trauma in our lives. We all have child, we all, life, it's is, all not relative for, in many life ways. is not easy for any of us. Mm -hmm. But um, I grew up in a very sheltered um, childhood in like a very small town in like rural Minnesota. And it was very idyllic and like dreamy. And like I had space to wander and create. And my parents were very loving and I had lots of friends around me. Mm. So I, 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 I felt I was very nurtured as a child growing up. And my parents encouraged me to express myself and to explore my creativity. <laughs> and so while I do have, you know, the trauma of being a human being in this limited third dimensional reality, I, I, I will say that my the way I was nurtured growing up and it has enabled me to see to to um has enabled my mind to dwell on the beautiful aspects of life more so than if someone grew up in a much more you know um traumatic scenario it's going to be harder for them their minds to kind of learn to dwell on the beautiful aspects of life um so i think that we need all kinds of teachers i think we need people to help people um get through their trauma i think i think you know i'm not if, if someone is dealing with like severe trauma like I, I i might be able to provide a laugh or two but mm. like i might not be the teacher for that person they yeah. might need to find someone who's more skilled in handling those specific issues that i frankly can't deal with um with any legitimacy mm. um but i can provide moments of hopefully humor and delight right <laughs> comedic relief <laughs> comedic relief exactly and we need that too we need that too we can't always be dwelling in the trauma we need to mm. we need to step out and laugh so i'm just hoping to provide people with little glimpses of relief and you know sometimes i get accused of like spiritually bypassing with my memes oh and it's do like, you well, How, in what oh, way yeah that's a good question that's probably the um the complaint i don't get a lot of complaints or negative comments thank god but mm -hmm. that that is one of the things that pops up now and then and i think it's because you know first of all i always say a meme is not a manifesto just yeah. because i put a meme on something <laughs> it was like i used what I, I i used whatever text an idea fit that image like don't read too much into it it's just like one perspective of many you can't if I make a meme of something, I'm not trying to say like, this is the one and only truth that the you word. have to believe. No, <laughs> yeah. it's a meme. It's one idea. There's another, there's, there's a million other ideas that are just as valid. So don't like read too much. And literally in many meme. ways, because in, with a lot of memes, the same image is used quite a lot. So there's literally many different messages in one meme sometimes. As exactly. Well. Yeah. But I noticed some people get um, if I if 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 I paint a picture of you know uh, you know um, everything being okay in the world or something like that you know everything's everything's beautiful because because at the end of the day everything is you know I think everything mm -hmm. here is is temporary and we it's we're all here to learn lessons and it's not always fun but 
the, in the grand scheme of things, I believe that it's beautiful design. Yeah. And when we're in yeah. the weeds, we're, when they're in the when we're in the weeds, we can't always see it, the grand design of it all, because we're getting caught up in the in the in the new in the details. But I think in the grand scheme of things, it's it, it is a beautiful design, more beautiful than we can even imagine. Mm. Um, so if I point that out to people, it can be triggering because they'd be like, "Well, what about this X, Y, and Z?" <laughs> and it's like, "Well, yeah, you're right, but that's just not the point I'm making at this time." Yeah. So people will be like, you're, you're, you're spiritual bypassing. And I'm like, well, you're like next week, really, I won't really. be <laughs> next week. I won't be. And also like spirituality, like I don't, I get spiritual bypassing. It's like, we need to be focused on the reality. We can't be just living in the clouds. We need to have our feet grounded as well. But to, to a certain degree, spirituality is what allows us to bypass and that's not always a bad thing. It allows us to elevate beyond the, the nitty gritty of the 3D reality and to kind of open ourselves to something greater. So I do certainly think that we should have, you know, our, our, our heads in the clouds and our feet grounded firmly on the ground so mm -hmm. we can live both as spiritual beings and as human beings, you know, and, 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 and hold space for that contradiction. Completely, yeah. Because as we say, you know, you are, we are divine beings having a human experience, effectively, right? And so if we miss the humanity of it, we've missed the point. But also if we forget the divine part, we miss the expanded perspective and we do miss the beauty. I can't believe I'm saying this. What have you done to me? <laughs> it took me three years, girl. <laughs> Who am I? I was so miserable when I started. And like, life is roses. <laughs> You're like, I'm the girl holding the flowers behind her back. I'm officially a James McCray meme. <laughs> Perfect. Mission accomplished. <laughs> so where do you derive a lot of this inspiration for your art? I mean, do you, do you meditate? Is it just do dream? I mean, where does it, does it just kind of emerge one, you know, every so often? Like, what is your, I don't want to even know, you know, I'm not going to use that word. So how does it work for you? <laughs> I'm curious about the word you're not going to use, but your process, my process. That's, a, that's a perfectly fine word. Yeah. <laughs> well, one thing I've been thinking about, about lately and, and saying is that the most important step of creativity is cultivating your own intuition. Okay. For anyone, no matter who they are, no matter what artistic medium that they pursue, um, the most important step of creativity is cultivating your intuition. So I am a meditator. I meditate every day. I've, I've, um, I've studied meditation. I'm a certified meditation teacher. Mm. Um, I'm, a, I'm a certified Kundalini yoga instructor. Um, so I, I've, I've, you know, I've read a ton of books and like studied a lot of like different philosophies. So, um, I've done plant medicine. So I've, I've, I've lived a life that has kind of opened my channel to, you know, inspiration. And I think that because most of the, my best ideas are kind of more like moments of insight or subconscious downloads that aren't my conscious mind trying to figure something out. It's okay. more just like an, an aha moment. Mm -hmm. So I do my best just to, create that open channel. And that could be through meditating, through um, just dancing around the room, like whatever, whatever it is to kind of just kind of open yourself up and, and literally just listening to, I call it like listening to the space between your thoughts. Mm -hmm. Because if we're listening, like the thought level is kind of like the surface level of the ocean. It's like, it's like you might see some fish on the surface, yeah. but really it's about going that space between your thoughts that kind of cuts through into the cosmos. And that's like going deep into the ocean where, you know, it's much more expansive and there's a lot more fish down there. So getting out of the conscious mind and tapping into intuition, the space between your thoughts, um, and always being ready, you know, like it's usually in the morning where I get a lot of ideas, but 
things pop up throughout the day that I just try to write down. And, and then, you know, there's, that's, that's the initial step. That's the idea, but then you still need to execute. And that's where, you know, I've got years of practice as a writer, as a poet, as a graphic designer. So then once you have that initial idea, you need to use your actual tools. It's again, it's the divine and the human, right? You might get a divine inspiration, mm. but someone needs to make the meme. Yeah. So yeah, that, yes. that's where the human being, like, that's where, <laughs> you know, I know, I, I, I know how to use Photoshop. I know how to write. I know how to like mm. craft a message in a certain way. Mm. Um, cause if I just wrote down exactly the ideas that came to me, it might not be effective. So I do need to like, um, you know, experiment with technique to bring something to life. That's going to be communicative. So, um, and then I try to experiment with lots of different techniques. I might, I might do an illustration. I might do a meme. I might write a poem, I might write a little, a little mini essay. So I've got a lot of different, um, techniques that I've kind of honed over the years and I can kind of tap mm -hmm. into them to communicate different things for different messages. I mean, it's so. interesting at the beginning of this, we were talking about how Liz channels a lot during our episodes and all of it, but it feels like you do exactly the same thing in just a slightly different way. Just, I guess, like I would in a slightly different way. And I think that's what's missing often when definitely when I started this whole journey which I also hate as a word um you know I thought that someone being spiritual was so special they had all these special gifts that I could never have but and I actually, said no <laughs> yeah <laughs> you know and actually we all have that we all have that connection should we wish to cultivate it and it will just it will just be expressed in the best way in which we can express it but that doesn't make it any the fact that I maybe when I'm writing it comes out or when you're do you know the, your process it comes out or when this is maybe listening and using her pendulum, it comes out. It's all, it's all the same, isn't it? It's just being expressed differently. And I just, I just find that really beautiful because it's, it's all an, ex it's an extension of us, but one that we're able to share and then use to kind of serve the community or serve the wider, at the moment, it feels like serve everyone because we all need a little bit of help in this time, which is a bit more difficult than other times. Yeah. No, I agree. I, I always love, I, I love seeing these. Um, um, it's because I think it's become a little popular right now to see certain spiritual people who are like channeling like the Galactic Federation or yeah. like the, 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 the Pleiadians or yeah. different like alien starseed families. And um, I find that funny. And I, I don't, I don't like a hundred percent understand it myself, no, me but, 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 but like I get what they're doing. Like they are doing the same thing as me. Like, I'm just, I don't take that stuff seriously. So for me, it's just like, I'm channeling inspiration for art, yeah. but if someone else might get an idea and they're going to interpret it as alien communication. Yeah. And it, it is. And I mean, in its own way, it is because where, where, it, where does it come from? It's yeah. coming from somewhere out there in the universe that I don't know and can't yeah. see. So yeah. if you want to interpret that, that is being coming from some alien starseed family who, I mean, uh, who am I to say it's not, it's, yeah. that's, it's just, you know, I, I don't like to label things. Yeah. So for me, I'm it's exactly just inspiration same. and intuition, mm -hmm. but if you want to interpret it as being a, you know, the Pleiadians, great. I, I just don't think, I don't take things that literally myself to believe that, but I don't see any, I think it's, I think I, I do think it's a similar process. I'm, ex I'm literally exactly the same. I mean, I'm obviously really lucky that, I mean, you should see some of our WhatsApp conversations. It's like, Liz, tell me about aliens. What do I need to know? <laughs> it's like, there's a lot of that kind of stuff. <laughs> My response is nothing. <laughs> you don't need to know anything. <laughs> you know, and I always say for me, it's, you know, I've said this, I know a couple of times before, it's like, it's everything we have is a beautiful story. It's a story and it's telling us something in the form of a story. So whether we're talking about Adam and Eve, whether we're talking about the aliens, whether we're talking about anything, the root of that story will always be the point. It's just being told to us in a different way so that our brains can understand it, mm -hmm. you know? And I think that's what we should be looking for when we hear the stories that what are they really saying? Are they talking about empowerment? Are they talking about disempowerment? Are they talking about fear? Are they talking about freedom? Like whatever the point of the story will be, you know, the bit that for me yeah. anyway is 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 the bit that we, we should be listening to yeah and that that's that's what mythology is right it's mm -hmm. like it's a it's a it's a it's a it's essentially a fiction that tells a truth yeah so i think we lost 
the language of mythology because everything is taken so literally like yeah. they'll probably be like oh you you channel the Pleiadians? Well, I channel the Octorians. The Pleiadians lie. Yeah. The Octorians <laughs> tell the truth. Or like yeah. whatever. It's like yeah. you're getting like you're 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 getting lost in the details of the of the myth and like yeah. not seeing the underlying truth. So I think we live in a society that's entirely too literal. Yeah. And then when everything is so literal, it becomes everyone like um speaking in these argumentative absolutes. Yes. When like what's the right? which is separation. So what's the underlying truth that's behind all of the, the myths that we're all trying to communicate? And like, can we hold space for the subtlety and the nuance of all these different stories that we're trying to tell each other? They're all yeah. stories. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. yeah. So I'm curious because I actually, my hope is that this will, this will land for someone who is perhaps quite a creative person, but doesn't quite hasn't quite figured out, I mean, perhaps they have their own process or medium, but about getting it out there in terms of consistency, because as an artist, as a writer, whatever you're doing as a creator, there's a level of consistency that's required and what I would dare call a discipline. So perhaps you don't have a set schedule or maybe you do, but I think that's also what I wanted to sort of drive at is when you are focused on a particular project, say you're creating this book or um, other, some other body of work that you want to do, how much discipline do you apply? What do you do in order to bring it to completion? Because that can be a real struggle for a lot of creative people, especially now when there's so much noise and everything. So I'm quite curious because I feel like as an, as a writer myself and doing this work, you, you do need a bit of that to, to be able to get a podcast out on time. And I mean, if I didn't have a slave driver, we'd have one episode out, not, not as many as we do. I have very strict deadlines for Rhea. <laughs> well, you guys are a good, a, a good team. Yeah, I mean, for me, I mean, creativity is my spiritual ritual, you know, mm -hmm. like some people get up and, you know, pray and meditate or, or whatever, you know, I get up with the intention every morning of creating. Okay. And, mm -hmm. um, you know, if you're going to be, if you want to be an artist or be a creative, like you have to have um, rituals around it. You have to, yeah. you have to make it a ritual. You have to make it a, it has to be a habit. It has to be habitual. Yeah. Now I am a very unstructured person, mm -hmm. you know, even scheduling this podcast, I was like, <laughs> didn't get back to you till like last night. And the, um, so I'm, I'm, I don't have a tight schedule at <laughs> all. Um, so I'm very, I'm very disciplined, but I'm very loose in my discipline because okay. I love doing it. I love, mm -hmm. like, I get excited by like, there are some like sentences out there that everyone just knows. Mm -hmm. like, 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 think of like Shakespeare, like to be or not to be. Right. Like one day he just woke up and wrote that. Mm -hmm. And now it's something hundreds of years later that everyone just knows. So I'm just like literally get excited by, I could just wake up today and write, the next to be or not to be just like, Oh, there, there it is. Like it took me two seconds. And now that's a sentence that's going to live on for eternity. Mm. Like that's, that's the power amazing. of create. Yeah. That's the power of creativity. And I literally get excited to do that every day. And sometimes I get a lot of ideas. Sometimes I don't get any ideas, but you need to show up consistently mm. to give the idea. You need more chances at bat, you know, yes, <laughs> you can hit, you, you, you can hit a home run you're more likely to hit a home run the more times you go to bat. So yeah. it's just about giving yourself enough like chances at bat to swing and hit a home run. And um, some people are like, Oh, I have to write a thousand words a day. Like I'm really disciplined. And like, I want it. That's not me at all. Like I rather like when I was working, if I'm working on a book, I might spend a whole day trying to like tweak a paragraph. Okay. And like, I might not, not even write a new paragraph. I mean, tweak an existing paragraph <laughs> okay. because I just want to wow. like, make sure it's really good. Mm -hmm. So I don't, I don't give myself like deadlines or word counts or like strict things to follow. I'm very loose, mm -hmm. but I do show up every day just to, just to give myself another chance at bat. Mm -hmm. I love that baseball metaphor. See, Rhea, <laughs> it's an every American. We can't help ourselves. <laughs> it's inevitable. Yeah, I don't even like baseball, but it's, it's in our, it's in our blood. It is. It I is. I need to study it a bit more because every now and again, a baseball metaphor gets thrown out. And I'm like, 
I feel I should know what this means. I'm just not sure. And then once we were writing and I used a baseball metaphor and I'm like, oh, she's converted me. <laughs> what do you want? Like a cricket, me a cricket metaphor? Is I guess that I don't know. Yeah, I, I don't even understand cricket. I guess football maybe, but you guys football. would call it soccer. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, no. You're doing so well. I'm so proud of you. <laughs> I know the difference. <laughs> so how do you know if something's finished then? If you're not creating these deadlines, and I'm not trying to challenge you because we do try to be a bit fluid. It's just I mean, two people working similar. together. Yeah, I'm very, I'm, I'm very <laughs> I think Rhea is like, I, I really connect with this. <laughs> I'm really connecting with this. Like sometimes I'll be like, I'll try, I'll try, then you know, I'll end up writing a chapter in two hours and not understand how it came out. And then for days before I'd been like basically writing blah, blah, blah on a wide screen, you know? <laughs> well, at a certain that's point you need to be done because, and, and, and that's one thing that working in the, Instagram medium has taught me like mm -hmm. you got to put it out like you just got to put it it's about it's about consistency and like you know frequency more so than you know perfection so yeah. I've gotten pretty good at just looks fine done looks fine done looks fine done mm -hmm. but I think that took me a long a, lo a long time of like you know I've I'm, I'm like a pretty serious editor as well. So like, I've just gotten, I've gotten good at, I guess, just reviewing my own work and just if it feels done, because mm. you can go on forever. Like if, especially with a meme, not so much, but like with a book or something like you can Endless. go in circles. Mm. So at a certain point you, you, you want to put in enough work. So you, don't feel like you're selling the work short. You don't want to, you don't want to, you don't want, if, if it feels like you're rushing it and it, you just don't feel good about it, that's not going to be great. So you want to put in enough work in to um, feel good about what you're putting out, but you can't overthink it. You have to ship. You've got to, you've got to be, it's not easy. And I get this because I've been there, but you got to feel comfortable just being like done because like, you're going to, you might, you might, you might make some changes that no one else will even notice. Right. Like if the spirit and the essence is there, you got to be comfortable sharing. And that's, what's good about social media is you get, you have to get comfortable sharing. Mm -hmm. Like it's a real exercise I used to post, it did. I used to post like once a week and now I'm like posting twice a day. And it's like, I don't even care. <laughs> like, I just, yeah. I, I don't, I don't, I don't overthink it anymore. Okay. So it, it's, it's, it's a fine balance. Cause you do want to mm. put the work in and the craftsmanship in to make sure what you're doing is good, but also you're not, you're not always making it better by spending more time on it. Mm. Like I mean, there's I a, I have a, I have a, I have a British metaphor for you. Oh yeah. Okay. It. I'm down. I'm ready. I'm ready. <laughs> Let's do this. <laughs> the Rolling Stones. Yep. So when they made their song, their famous song, Satisfaction. Yeah. It's one of the most famous rock and roll songs ever. They were recording a demo in a studio, like in the morning or something. And like they record, like they just, they just wrote the song. They recorded like one demo of the song. Then they like went to go get some food or something. Like literally like the, like, like the, their, their manager took the tapes and like of the demo, the first demo. And they're just like, Oh, this is good. We need a song on the radio right now. I'm going to go put it on the radio. They never imagined that song to be done. Hmm. They, that was a work in progress and a demo they were working on. Their manager took it and put it on the radio. And that's the song that's been playing for over 50 years now is this rough demo. Yeah. That's now this timeless <laughs> classic. So sometimes more tinkering and more polishing doesn't actually help the product. Sometimes mm -hmm. having a little bit of like a real, you know, a little bit of an unpolished feeling brings more life and energy to something. I mean, I've definitely noticed that with even the podcast or with some of our writing, like initially when we started and I was in a very vulnerable scared place where everything mattered so much especially what other people thought of me i would over edit the podcast so that they were so that there was no distinguishing features about my life how i felt there was no vulnerability at all and the more i started owning myself the more i started you know kind of 
coming at peace with what I'd experienced and who I was and what I wanted. You know, now our podcasts are a good seven, eight minutes longer because I'm just like, yeah, fine, fine, fine. You know, here, you know, we laugh about this or here I'm really open and honest, but that's who I am. And I think uh, for me anyway, the moment you know it's done is the more you own yourself, the more you know who you are, the quicker you do know when something's done. Because sometimes there are episodes or words that I've written that are so vulnerable, so hard for me to look back on, but I'll never be able to recreate that again when I'm feeling better. And to take and to try and fix it now would be almost to miss the connection to those people who are feeling like that. And it would be putting out a polished version of myself that, that isn't true you know, as well. Yeah. So I yeah. understand totally. Especially, yeah. I think that's, that's more true now than ever before. Because yeah. we live in the era of like live streaming. Yeah. Like that's like people are live streaming, people are going, you know, YouTubers are just putting stuff out like authenticity and realness mm. and like vulnerability. These <laughs> are assets now in the, you know, communication economy. Mm. So over, you know, overthinking things and spending too much time on something is almost counterintuitive to being authentic and being vulnerable mm. and showing mm. yourself, showing your mm. heart. Mm. Um, I think these are assets now in the world of, you know, live streaming and, and digital communication mm. where authenticity mm. connects more so than mm. polish. I remember I heard something and I, I'm definitely, I'm not even going to try and quote it because I'm sure I'd misquote it. And I'm so sorry. I can't even remember where it's from. But the one thing, you know, one of the things as humans that we find most attractive in someone else are qualities we want to have. So if we see someone who is so in love with themselves that they're able to be vulnerable and authentic and honest, they are naturally so much more attractive because if they love themselves to that degree, we want to as well. So actually it's very counterintuitive how I was operating for so long where I wasn't myself and I was so worried about how I would be perceived when actually what I was effectively saying was I, you know, you might fall in love with the mirror, but you're never going to fall in love with me. And, you know, and I know it's really hard now with cancel culture and how people are so quick to judge and shame and, and to tell you how you're wrong. But actually in a way, if we can look at it differently is that it's so, it's good to see how all the things that were first in, you know, which was always kind of the secret judging and the secret shaming, they're coming out so we can see it, so that we can heal it, and so that we can, I guess, overcome it. Because actually, me, you and I might have totally different views on something, but that doesn't matter. It doesn't mean that either of us are any better or worse than each other. We just have different perspectives because we've had different lives. Mm. That's it. Yeah, I, I agree. And I think that the idea of censuring each other and canceling each other on social media. I think we're reaching a, a tipping point where people are getting really sick of that. And, exactly. and obviously, you know, that, that, that there's good intentions behind all of that happening. You know, we want, we don't want to have, um, I don't think we should, um, you know, hold space for, you know, sexism or racism. And there are certain things that should be canceled right <laughs> but i think it it, it it trickled out into like any 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 opinion that differs from my opinion needs to be silenced mm -hmm. and i think that people are starting to kind of like course correct and be mm -hmm. like oh we might have overstepped this idea of like censorship and canceling so. and and we need to mm -hmm. we need to kind of give each other space for differing opinions well ultimately for me it's all for me anyway it's it's all a question of respect when we're talking about i mean i am i am a female i'm originally palestinian i'm you know obviously arabic i there's a lot of about me and liz you know we're, we're not the stereotypical white male but for me yes obviously sexism racism <laughs> oh, obviously uh, you know, <laughs> we're not a stereotypical i don't know if you knew this well i don't know if you knew liz you're not mad obvious <laughs> <laughs> um, hey. But you know, but for me, you know, all those things are effectively we're saying you're not respecting my divinity, you're not respecting the fact that I am, you know, divine in human form, you're not respecting that I'm God in my world. And just as much as we can say that, then at the same time is that we have to do that back out. You know, I respect that you have an opinion. Just as you know, you respect me, I respect you. And it kind of comes back to that. I think for me anyway, whenever I whenever I am faced with something like that, my first question is, it where's the lack of respect here? because there's going to be somewhere 
at some point, whether it's from me, whether it's from the other person. And that lack of respect normally comes from a place of hurt, of fear, of pain. It's not coming from a place of, you know, it, like we don't judge and shame other people because we feel great about ourselves. So, you know, when we approach it from that way, we're also respecting their journey in a different way. So for me, it's all kind of all wrapped up in, in that very space. And I think the more we move towards that, the more voices like yours that have that light, that have that positive, that can put humor and joy into things, the more we're able to kind of move towards a place where we're able to respect one another, have yeah. compassion for one another in a real life way, not in this kind of, I'm going to um by a tree way. Yeah, I think that there's a lot of projection on social media by people who haven't, who have not yet sufficiently dealt with their own shit. <laughs> right? yeah. I think we, maybe we need to like have some kind of like spiritual barometer of like once someone has sufficiently dealt with their own shit, then they're <laughs> then they're allowed to comment on other people's. <laughs> we're just like flinging trauma at each other <laughs> yeah, blindly but I, I think that you know i don't i don't think you can show up um effectively in the world to help others until you've you know healed yourself yeah. to a good degree so um and that's why we that's say, step one yeah. Yeah, that's exactly. I mean, like, that's when we're talking about, I mean, it's all the work that I have now learned, you know, but actually the way to serve is serve yourself first. The way to respect someone else, respect yourself first, you know, have, be in joy, be happy. Then you can help other people do the same. If you're coming from a place of fear and pain and trauma, you're just looking for validation and you're just going to end up perpetuating separation over and over and over again, thinking that you're helping other people, but actually satiating your ego. It doesn't work. I agree a hundred percent. Um, I feel like we've taken up a lot of your time. So but I had one more question. Okay, go, 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 Please. go. I'm going to stop but I'm talking. Sorry, but I'm, I'm really annoying. Cause like, I seem to like, I seem to have a one track mind about this because I think um, one of your, one of the gifts that you are offering others, um, is the ability to have the courage to do a bit of what you do, right. To learn, to live in flow, to live, to learn, to live according to their own sort of spiritual barometer and what feels right and what, and express their truth. But I'm sure that early on, <clears throat> as you were coming into this practice and coming into your, well, we'll call them your rituals, um, <laughs> where it was, um, how did you prevent or how did you start to deal with burnout? Because one of the most common things we're going to be seeing in the coming, you know, this year, especially even right now, but I think in the next year or two is really people having to confront how burned out they are because as they're trying to run away from all their trauma and stuff, or as they're scrambling to figure out what their next steps are, because they really want to discover their purpose or something, there's a great deal of a global burnout going on. And but it seems like no matter how much you are creating, unless you just find more energy from what you're creating, you don't seem particularly burned out, even if you're posting twice a day. So you have figured something out for yourself. And I'm just wondering if there's anything that you can impart to, to other creatives. Yeah. A few things come to mind. I mean, okay. first of all, I, um, I'm doing what I want to do, not what I have to do. Yes. So I, I definitely felt more burnout when I was like working in more of a, like a corporate environment. Like I used mm -hmm. to work in advertising agencies as like a, you know, strategist on Madison Avenue in New York city. So like there's been burnout when like burnout happens more often when you're like put into situations where you're putting all your energy towards something you quote have to do as opposed to something you want to do. Hmm. So it's very important to, dedicate your energy to things that you choose to do mm -hmm. that you want to do. And, you know, even if you have a job, like a traditional corporate job, you can still find some reason to want to do it. Like maybe you want to show up for your coworkers, you know, and you, and you want to, you want to do that, you know, so it's really important to reframe things to something I have to do to something I really want to do. And I choose to do that reframing is huge because um yeah I, I mean when it because now i'm doing creative work and i love to do it i get energized by it mm -hmm. i wake up wanting to do it at the same time i do i'm still learning the balance to like walk away and it's like you know what i'm i'm going to give myself a day to do nothing yeah. and like it's it's still something i have to remind myself to like enjoy myself and have fun 
because I do have fun creating. I mean, I do have legitimate fun creating art. It's what I, it's the one thing that I love to do more than anything else, but even that you can get burnt out by. So I, even that I have to remind myself to like, I'm going to go for a run. I'm going to go do something fun. I'm just going to let my body do nothing. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's still something I need to kind of remind myself to do, to kind of put the phone down and like, I'm not going to make anything today. Even, even if I want to, I'm going to be like, you know what? No, I'm good. You're going to rest today. Uh-huh. So it's, yeah. it, it's definitely important to listen to your body and, um, don't do something because you feel pressure to do it, but like, listen to your mm-hmm. body and see what feels good and follow that. The wisdom of the body, I cannot over overstate like the importance of the wisdom of the body. Yeah. The body knows if it needs to rest, it knows if it needs to work out, if it knows if it wants to dance. So getting out of your own head and like listening to what the body wants is such like an underrated um, thing to do in our society. I mean, that's, yeah. that's consciousness, isn't it? Being conscious of your bodies, all of them. And I mean, I'm really lucky. I have a work wife who says it's time for you to go on holiday now, <laughs> you know? So I have, you know, I, just <laughs> it's as time much, for me to go on holiday. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Just as much as I have the deadlines, I also have the like, you're on break now because you're not going to be able to create anything new until your brain has given a break, you know, or whatever it is. And it's so true because now I've experienced it, you know, over the past, you know, for me anyway, like I live, you know, my flat, my couch became my office. It became my place where I chilled. It became the place where I entertained. It became everything to me. So I couldn't delineate. So I'd be watching TV thinking, wait a second, shouldn't I be working right now? You know, so really having that consciousness to be able to go, actually, I just want to watch Twilight, <laughs> you know, is so great because maybe- Let's do admit that. <laughs> I know, I know, sorry. But, you know, maybe the inspiration will come from something else. Like sometimes it doesn't come, it, you know, we'll get triggered from other places. We'll get, you know, we can't, we can't just sit in a room, in a, in a white-walled room and expect to know, you know, and to learn everything we need. Sometimes no, you need to have a full cup. If you're going to give to others, you need to have a full cup yourself. Yeah. And, um, and that's the same with, like with writing, like it's so important to have life experience. Like you need to go out and do stuff. You need to go out and get into tr- trouble. You need to go out and like exactly. fall in love. You need to go out and get your heart broken. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like if you don't have p- personal experiences to draw from, like, mm-hmm. what are you going to talk about? Like yeah. you need to like, uh, you know, you need to like live a life. You need yeah. to like <laughs> experience yeah. the extremes, the ups and the downs of mm-hmm. life. If you want to have anything to communicate. Yeah. And that's what I yeah. felt was so beautiful about your first book was that there were so many life experiences in there and some stuff that, you know, you really spoke about stuff that maybe other people didn't necessarily feel comfortable sharing, but just hit a part of when I was reading it for sure. There's like, Oh my gosh, like, you know, either that's something that we say, or that's something that I feel, you know, and to be able to be told it in the form of a story or an example and to be, you know, Oh, this person lives. Like, I mean, you were talking about, you know, sex and work and everything. And I mean, that's the kind of stuff that, you know, we're not here to teach people how to live spiritual lives. We're here to teach people how to live and being spirit, you know, spirituality will always become redundant if you know if you're living, and that's the point. And I think you know a lot of the time, like that was 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 so beautiful about your first book, and I'm so excited for the second because even you know it's it's kind of that beautiful mixture of the memes, you know, with that truth and with that experience, and I think it's going to be really great. And I'm definitely pre-ordering it. <laughs> yes, can't wait for it. <laughs> Thank you so much. Yeah, the pre-order is available now through. You can find the link on my Instagram at at words are vibrations. Mm-hmm. And um, like I said, it'll be out in October, but it's available to pre-order now if you want to make mm-hmm. sure that you get a copy right away. Yeah, no, I can't wait. And thank you so much for ha- uh, for coming on today. It's been such a pleasure talking to you. Thank you. Yeah, thank you both. This was delightful. Yeah. So maybe it'll end in a, with a second date. Who knows? <laughs> I think I think it just might. Thank you for listening. For more information, articles, and inspiration, find us at karmasmybitch.com and at karmasmybitch.insta. And if you liked what you heard, please subscribe and leave us a review.